In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in our midst. Forgive me, my thoughts have been a little muddled this week, as many of you may uh, have shared that experience. And so if my thoughts get a little scrambled here and there, have patience with me while I sort of find myself. I would love to have a word that I can speak about the elections and the events that have gone on that would give us um, wisdom and solace and some perspective. But I don't have any of such words. But I did find uh, a small quote from Saint Sophroni, a very recent and modern saint who reposed only in 1993. So he can really speak with the holiness of God, but also with the perspective a modern perspective, so to speak. And he said this, the wisdom of this world cannot save the world. The parliaments, the governments, the complex organizations of the most advanced contemporary states are powerless. Humans suffer without limit. The only solution is to find within us the wisdom and the resolve to not live according to the ideas of this world, but to follow Christ. I want to just kind of drop the mic and go on, but I might get in trouble for that. Let us truly trust in God alone. And before I forget, happy feast day for the all you Michaels and Gabriels and others who are named after the holy angels, for this is your, the synaxis of all of the holy bodiless powers. My dear wife and some others um, went to Guatemala to an orphanage years ago. And um, Mother Inez, a gracious host of Hogar Raphael there, had painted, I think as I remember the story properly, on the wall of the monastery, uh, monastery uh, orphanage, big is God. And this was a, a theme that she said, big is God. Our God is so big. Our God is, the church teaches us, unknowable in his essence. Our God who desires that we know him above all else, our God who created us with one purpose, that we would know him, is essentially unknowable. That is, in his essence. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I couldn't find a word in my vocabulary that would paraphrase the word essence. But we know that God is somehow bigger than we are able to wrap our minds around. And we know this. He is, words we, we use are ineffable, inconceivable, invisible, incomprehensible. God is so big. Big is God. We cannot get inside the mind of God. And yet, God, the church teaches us, has desired that we know him. And so he has revealed himself to us. The unknowable God is knowable because it is his will and his desire that we know him. 
And He reveals Himself to us in what the church calls His energies. Now, these energies, we kind of get in our minds a picture of the bright light of Mount Tabor, of the transfiguration. But the energies of God are, we can translate that, to be the workings of God, the doings of God. And above all and before all, the doings of God were to become a man. God himself, the unknowable God, became a man so that we might know him. And I've said this before, everything we need to know about God, in fact, everything we can know about God, is revealed by the Holy Spirit in the life and the teachings and the person of Jesus Christ. Especially in his passion and in his resurrection. This is why it is so important that when we, re- we read the Old Testament and we read stories of God's work, we have to read it in the light of the life and the passion and the resurrection of Christ. Because it is through Christ that God is revealed. Now there are other workings where we know God. His Holy Spirit is working in us. It's working between us. It's working through us, God willing. In Him we live and move and we have our being. These workings of God reveal His love for us. And this is who God is. God is big and God is love. And we call this these workings that we are surrounded, his energies that permeate our lives, that are revealing himself not only in the life of Christ, but in the working of Christ through his spirit in our world. And we call this God's providence. So we can, well, maybe not equate God's energies by which we know him with his providence, they are, the two are very closely related. Now in today's Gospel, we have a beautiful story where we can see the workings, the doings, and the energies of our God. If I can just figure out where it is here. So Jesus, having just healed the two um, demoniacs over in the tombs on the other side of the Lake Gennesaret, he comes back and immediately he is welcomed by this enormous crowd. And as he is heading towards his home, um, a man comes up to him, Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, and says, my daughter is dying. Will you please come and help me? And our God illuminated us for us in the life of Christ, in his compassion and love. He says, of course. And he begins to go with the man. And the crowd is pressing around him, probably asking him questions, or just trying to hear what he is saying to his apostles. And a woman in the crowd who has been suffering for 12 years with a hemorrhage, something that has rendered her not only physically weak, it's rendered her poor because she spent all of her earnings, it has also rendered her unclean and unable to participate not only in the activities of the the religious life of the people, but even in the social life of the people. She has this horrible 12-year malady. And she comes up behind with faith. And she touches the hem of his garment. She doesn't even touch Christ. And he says, 
Who touched me? Power has gone out from me. My energies have gone out from me. My workings have gone. Some, I, I have done some work here. And she comes and confesses. And in this, we see that God rewards faith. In his compassion for her, he not only delivers her from her, her bondage, essentially, but he, he delivers her from, in his compassion, by his love, from her, her disease, and he puts her forward as an example of faith that we should do likewise. In that beautiful humility, he honors her faith. So we see in all of the Gospels, and it is our, to our great benefit, if we want to know God, to be in the Scriptures, because it is here we see the energies of God by which he's revealed to us. And he, remember, reveals himself to us for the purpose that we would know him. That is, that we would have a relationship with him. That we would not just know about him. We would just not know what he is like, but that we would know him personally. And that he comes to us in compassion and love and reveals himself to us in our relationship. Now, when I read today's gospel and many other gospels, and some of the things I've been thinking about this week, it made me think of God's will. We have God's essence, which we can't know. We have his energies, which he reveals himself to us which is expressed around us in his providence by which he shows his love and compassion to us. But what is God's will and how does God's will fit in with this? Was it God's will that this woman suffered for 12 years? Was it God's will that Jairus' daughter should be, get sick and die? At Goya, Zoom Goya last night, I asked everybody a question. And I said, is everything that happens God's will? And everybody in the Goya meeting, it wasn't very many, but everybody there said, yeah, everything that happens is God's will. But that can't be true. Because it says that God wills that no one should perish, but all should be saved. And yet, a lot of people perish. Was it God's will that this woman suffered for 12 years? By what we know about God and what has been revealed to us, his love, his compassion, his care for his creatures, I don't know that we can answer that question. I would, I would say no. But it seems to me, and forgive me if this is um, something new, I'm not trying to say it, but it's something that I feel like I've picked up from the fathers. Not everything that happens is God's will. There's a limit to God's will, and it's God who put that limit on it, in his love, because the limit to God's will is our human freedom. It's our human freedom that God respects because of his love. So when we see things happening in the world, big things, we can't say, yes, that's God's will, and that's not, not God's will. Because his will, I think much like his essence, 
is really inaccessible to us. We don't get to know God's will very often, especially in the big things. His will, like his essence, is unknown to us, or largely unknown to us. Not everything that happens is God's will. There's a huge but here. Yet, but, within all things, within all things that happen, within the woman's 12-year um, infirmity, within the death of the daughter of Jairus, within all things, within all the difficulties of our lives, within all the circumstances of this world, big and small, yes, within elections, no matter what God's will is in that, we probably will never know, but we will know for certain that he is working in it and will continue to work in it. This is God's providence. It will work if we let it for our greatest benefit, and it will result in our salvation. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things have the potential to work together for the good of all. But what stands in the way is human freedom. What stands in the way sometimes of God's will in our life is human freedom. We would all like to see God's will worked out in our life. We often say things like, oh, well, I'll see you next week, God willing. And while that can become sort of an automatic thing to say, it really expresses a, a beautiful sentiment. It's this desire that we have to align our wills with the will of God. We want to do what God is doing. Especially, we want to allow God to do what he would will in our lives. The things that will bring us to salvation. The things that will bring us to communion and knowledge of him. In most things, his will is hidden for us. And yet it is good for us to seek his will, to ask God, what is your will for me? If we have a spiritual father, God will speak through our spiritual father, usually on the small things that we ask, that we need to know. And we may get some clarity about what God's will is for our life. But most of the time, we step out in faith. We pray, we ask God to show us his will, but we have to make a decision sometimes. We have to decide what job to take, what job to quit, what college to go to. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I buy this house? Should I save this money? Should I spend this money? So many decisions of our life that we would love to know God's will in. And so, because God's will, like I said, is somewhat hidden from us, we do our best, and we make our decisions, but we make our decisions in the hope of Christ, knowing that no matter what decision I make, if I am trying to make it in God's will, if I am trying to take my own human freedom out of the way as a barricade to God's will, then I know that God's providence, His love, His compassion are going to work in me. He will not abandon me because I made a bad decision. Oh, thank God. Now, while we can't really say 
what things are definitely God's will and definitely God's will, especially when we're talking about big things. There are a few things that I think I can say with confidence are truly God's will. God's will for me and God's will for you. I can say with confidence that it is God's will that you know Him. It is God's will that you love Him. It is God's will that you give Him your heart. And what prevents us from doing those things is our own human freedom. It is God's will that we love our neighbors. It is God's will that we love our enemies. It is God's will that we forgive one another from our hearts. It is God's will that we would pursue Him. That we would reach after Him and cultivate that relationship with Him. It is God's will that we pray. We can't argue about these things being God's will. It is God's will that you fast. For the church reveals God's will. It is God's will that you give alms. It is God's will that you care for the poor. These things are God's will for our lives. It is, our, it is God's will that all of you remain in the church and do not leave her. It is God's will that you make the liturgy the central portion of your life. It is God's will that you cultivate and grow God's gifts. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. These are all God's will for your life. It is God's will that you overcome sin. And it is God's will that you will be with Him in communion forever. But above all, it is His will that you offer thanksgiving to Him. Because when we recognize that God's energies that reveals Him to us, that allows us to have a relationship with Him, when we realize that those are His workings around us, our response, our healthy response, can be nothing but thanksgiving. God, You provide for us. God, You take care of us. In the midst of all these things in the world that are difficult and hard, you, God, in your compassion and tenderness are taking care of us in your providence. It is God's will that we thank him and we partake of him in his energies, which will be offered to us tangibly in the Holy Eucharist in a short time. Now, I'll try to end with a short quote. It's from an essay I read recently from Father Stephen Freeman. The most fundamental action that we can offer towards divine providence and thus towards his divine energies is to give thanks. Always, everywhere, and for all things. Or give thanks as much as, much as our hearts will allow. As we offer thanks from the heart we unite ourselves with the gracious providence of God. In doing this, our doing is indeed the energies of our existence, and they rightly express the true heart that God has placed in each of us. For we were created to give thanks. My brothers and sisters, the big pictures around us, of the world around us, 
We can't know for certain what God's will is. But there are certain things that God wants for us that He has revealed in His energies and we know those things. And so if we concentrate on those things that we know are God's will for our lives, then we can rest sure that we are lining our will with His will and His will as we pray will be done. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.